My guest today says the new death etiquette strongly encourages proactivity in place of procrastination, especially if you have aging parents. Horrible conditions such as Alzheimer's and dementia rob people of making good decisions. That's why it's important as an adult child of an aging parent that you have the conversation before it's too late. Proactivity over procrastination on this episode of the Executor Help Podcast. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. So with me today on the Executor Help Podcast is John Braddock. He's an author of the bestseller, Click Here When I Die, and he's also the creator, along with his wife, Michelle, My Life and Wishes. Um, John, welcome to the podcast. It's really great to have you here. Today, we're going to talk about procrastination. And I think um, when it comes to procrastination, people seem to not want to be able to talk about death. Is there a reason why they don't want to talk about it? No, great question. And uh, and thank you, David. I appreciate uh, uh, being a guest on your podcast. It's certainly my honor. Um, yeah, <laughs> procrastination. You know, I heard someone at one time make this comment that, well, procrastination is just simply a form of patience, isn't it? <laughs> and um, well, maybe, maybe not. You know, when it comes to death and, and why people procrastinate about making plans or doing the things they should is, is really, I think, three things. Some people say, well, you know, I just don't have a lot of stuff. But you know what? In reality, you have more than you think. And, uh, and so people do need to, to make a plan. Another thing that people say is, well, I have time, which is the one that really blows me away because, yeah, you know, I don't have that crystal ball. I don't know when my last day on this planet will be. You know, uh, over 7,800 people woke up in the United States alone this morning. And, uh, expect that tomorrow they'll wake up again, but they won't because that's how many people unfortunately are going to pass away. And it's not just for old people. It can happen to anyone. So uh, saying I have time to plan, eh, you may not. So make a plan. And, and the other thing is I hear people say, well, it's bad luck. It's bad luck to talk about or plan for death. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's great. Like talking about it is going to make it happen, which is crazy to me. I mean, we talk about sex all the time, but that doesn't make us pregnant. Okay. I never thought of it that way, but yes, that's a good way to look at it. You, you say that you're, you're never really prepared for when a loved one passes away. And when we're talking about procrastination, I think it, it kind of hits home to you, you and your wife, when a, a loved one passes away, it happens suddenly. Um, in your case, it, it happened to you on, on the golf course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it was a, uh, a beautiful September morning. My wife, Michelle, and I were doing, you know, what we really enjoy doing. It's playing golf. A beautiful fall day. I mean, you can, you can imagine, you can smell the, the fall in the air, you know, in September. And uh, we're playing in a couples tournament. 
and we were on the fourth hole. We had teed off. We were driving to our balls and her cell phone starts to ring. And I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, don't answer the phone. And by the time she dug it out of her golf bag, it stopped ringing. I was like, yes. <laughs> and uh, then it started to ring again. And she answered it. And I looked over at her. And I saw a tear start running down her cheek. And she looked at me and she said, dad's dead. We have to go. Boom. We turned the golf cart around, left the balls where they lay, uh, dr drove back to the clubhouse, got in the car and, uh, and drove to her father's house, which was about 25 minutes away, mm -hmm. um, where he, uh, where he still was. And what happened next was just, you know, a blur. A uh, million and one questions, you know, a medical examiner asking, well, what funeral home should we take him to? And we're like, you know, I, I don't know. There's 10 in town, you know. Um, do you know what his plans were for burial cremation? It's like, no, he didn't talk about those kind of things. You know, has he done any pre-planning? And, and all these questions come out and we have no idea because dad never shared that information with anybody because, you know, hey, we don't want to talk about death. Right. And, uh, so, you know, so within 24 hours, you're sitting across the, the table from a funeral director, um, making plans, um, picking things out, trying to do what you think might be pleasing, uh, to your, uh, uh lost loved one. Um, but there's other family members involved and nobody can agree. I mean, heck, we can't agree on what to eat for dinner or what movie to watch as a family. So when it comes to these important decisions, how are we all going to agree? Everyone has their own idea. Well, maybe dad wanted to be cremated. Well, no, he always said, you know, he want to be buried. And, you know, it goes back and forth. And what we thought was a stressful time from learning of his death until we actually buried him, uh, you know, four days later, what we thought was, you know, okay, the worst is over. <laughs> the worst was yet to come. So that's where the family dynamics started to change. Was that the tipping point or, or did it from, from the planning of the funeral and all the other things are going on, you, you could start to see sort of a, a tidal wave starting to come. You could see things starting to change. Right. You can see things starting to change. You can see other family members um, thinking about and having discussions and asking questions about how the loss of this loved one is going to impact their life from certain aspects, um, from the simplest of day-to-day -day living to uh, the more morbid of, you know, what am I going to get kind of a thing. And, you know, when, you, and when you started to hear that, did you start to look at these people and say, who are you? Is it a... a are you surprised that these are the, these are the kind of questions that are coming out and, and how did that impact your wife? Well, it was shocking. And so, yes, it was kind of like, you know, we thought we knew these people and now it all of a sudden is focused around money and stuff and, uh, very difficult on my wife. She, uh, uh has, uh, one sister who, far more emotional than Michelle is. And so Michelle was pretty much tasked with doing everything. 
Um, my mother-in-law couldn't do a thing. She, you know, she just lost her husband of 63 years. You know, she doesn't care about anything. And did, so did he have, did he have was, a will? Did your father-in-law have a will? He, he did have a will. Now it took us a couple of weeks to find it because he never shared where that might be. Not even with his wife of, not even his wife of 63 years knew the, where the will was. Did she know there was a will? Nope. I think she knew there was a will at one point, but she didn't know where it was. He had an office in the house that if you can imagine, you, you know, file cabinets bursting at the seams, desk drawers, stacks and stacks of papers, boxes upon boxes that had to be gone through. Trying to, to, to locate things was a nightmare, but we did find the will. It took about two weeks of going through boxes. We found the will. I said to Michelle, I said, honey, I have good news and I have bad news. She said, well, what's the good news? I said, the good news is I found the will. She said, well, what's the bad news? I said, well, the bad news is apparently you have to move to Milwaukee and live with Aunt Jean and Uncle Ed. So, so, so for so anyone who to, just... So that was about to impact your wife, your, your living situation. Right. Here's my wife. She's going to have to, you know, if it were some, you know, Adam Sandler movie in some ironic way, she would actually have to, you know, pack up and move out. But, you know, for those that might have missed, you know, in my kind of warped sense of humor here is that will hadn't been updated since 1962. So, you know, having a will is one thing. Having a will that's up to date is something entirely yeah. so so you've got this outdated will i mean there's a will but it's outdated so how did that impact how the estate was to move forward was there well, at was, that point was there yeah. executor was 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 an executor still alive that he had named well um uh his wife was yes and um but again uh, going through an incredible process. So we sought out, you know, a highly qualified estate planning attorney, um, got together there, had uh, Michelle appointed as the executor and power of attorney for her mother to be able to handle such things uh, and, and work through the process. Because as I say, her sister, uh, you know, not capable and, and, and didn't have the wherewithal to, to do these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, so that process alone takes, you know, as, as, as you're aware, um, you know, days to weeks to get things done and organized and, and put in a fashion so that, uh, you know, Michelle can start talking to your credit card companies and mortgage companies and insurance companies. And, and, and all the while you the, still have family members sticking their nose in where it doesn't belong. Right. And family members, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but kind of, you know, like wandering through the house, looking through things, you know, I, I sort of liken it to, you know, the, the, the vulture trying to, you know, pick clean a, a carcass on the side of the road, you know, just shocking because, you know, what Michelle and I had told these other family members is look, even though the will was way out of date, it's still a will. And everything belongs to your grandmother and she's still here. So, you know, step off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, the more it, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. And every time, and that's one of the reasons I wrote my book is that it doesn't surprise me how people react 
when there's a death and you, 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 you look at them and like, who are these people? Who, what are you doing? I mean, why would you go into a man's house and be looking around for stuff that doesn't even belong to you, but you, for some reason you feel entitled that some of that belongs to you. Right. And while his wife is still alive. Right. You know, in, and it, you know, there's things like, uh, you know, one of the grandsons was like, you know, within two days, I mean, it was less than that because we were getting things together for the, for the funeral and putting together memory boards and those kind of things and had taken some of, uh, Ted's golf clubs, you know, to the, uh, to the church to be there with the memorial stuff. And, um, you know, one grandson was like, I want these golf clubs. You know, it's like, excuse me, we haven't even, you know, buried your grandfather yet. You know, he's, he's actually in the church hall right now. And you're talking about, you want his golf. Doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. So you you went through that and i know so also you you talk about a case in your book um i believe her name is rose maybe you want to tell her a little bit of her story and how it sort of parallels your yeah your story as well. you know so from our experience again we knew nothing so if 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 my father-in-law had told everyone you know here's where the will is here's what i want to have happen here's how to access everything Here's, you know, I want so-and-so to have this or this or this and, and, and make these clear things. We won't divide families. We will at least try to avoid some of the confrontation and divisiveness that will occur. Now we contrast that in, uh, in my book, I believe it's chapter three, procrast uh, proactivity over procrastination. There's a woman named Rose. And uh, Rose had uh, uh, her daughter, April, and uh, uh, a sister-in-law, Julie. And they're, uh, they're, they're a fairly close uh, family. And Rose was 51 years old. And she was diagnosed with early onset uh, Alzheimer's. And from, you know, what her physicians and people were telling her is that, you know, this thing you know, it could take a while, it could go fast, but, you know, make sure that, you know, you have, you know, kind of your affairs kind of in order so that it makes it easier on, on your family who have to help you. And so Rose uh, did that. She worked with uh, her daughter. She got an attorney. She got uh, powers of attorney uh, set up for her uh, daughter. Uh, to do those kind of things. She also had some uh, uh, backup POAs for uh, Julie, the sister-in-law, and they started to make a plan. And they talked about what should happen in each of the next steps uh, if, if things really got bad and where she would go and what kind of care she would need. And um, by the time they did all this planning and then worked with uh, uh uh, a state agency in Wisconsin to make sure she would get uh, her Medicaid uh, and be able to have insurance uh, taken care of was about a 10 month process. And by the end of getting all that planning and things done, she had had a very, very rapid decline. Um, and the Alzheimer's had just taken the, taken the fast path on her. And uh, thankfully they had done all that planning 
because uh, everyone knew what needed to be done. And they had talked about it and made the plan with Rose. And at that point, um, they activated the uh, uh, power of attorneys uh, for healthcare as well as uh, financial. And, and they were able to seamlessly move through the process. So, you know, the contrast between, you know, our experience and, and, and Rose's experience, it's almost like in, in, in our case, it was just, you know, a death that occurred that was unexpected. Boom. At least in her case, um, she knew it was coming. And so she had time to plan. And so I liken it to someone who gets a, a terminal diagnosis uh, with a limited time to live. Um, now you have to plan, you know, and at least they have that, that, that advantage. Although I can also say this, if they get that diagnosis and now they're forced into doing all this planning and sharing this information and doing this stuff, doing all that's taking away from precious time that they have left just to enjoy family or to do things that they'd want to do, which is why you might want to plan first. So, you know, the contrast to two, I think the real moral of the story is here is that, uh, Hey, be proactive because death waits for no one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So most people they're listening to us here now and they're going, Oh yeah, that's well and fine. What do, what do I do? You know what? Do you, maybe we've given them a bit of a jolt and that's basically why we're having this conversation for them to, to be proactive. What would you say would say would be some of the solutions that will keep people f and have them avoid being in that situation. Either your what your your father-in-law went through, even though he had a will, or what Rose had done. What would you, what do you think are some of the first steps that someone needs to do? Well, I think the first step is to ask yourself a question. And that question is, what do I want the experience to be like for my family after I die? Do I want them to uh, experience sadness and grief and heartache? Yeah, I can't control that. That's, that's normal emotions. That's part of the healing process. Do I want them to have added stress, confusion, frustration, anger, uh, infighting within the family? Those are avoidable emotions that I don't want my family to have. And so the only way that I can leave the legacy to my family where they don't have those nasty emotions is to do some planning on the front end, make sure. And, you know, it's hard because I've got, you know, some daughters, daughters never want me to sit down and say, you know, daddy's going to die someday. Right. They don't want to have a conversation. Yeah. So, you know, make your plan. I don't care how you do it. Write it out. Start with the, uh, easy stuff first. Look, do you want to be buried or cremated? Spell it out. What do you want your final resting place to be? Uh, any kind of particular service, uh, you know, religious or just a memorial service. List those things out. Then list out, do you have life insurance or some way to pay for it? Because while the funeral director is telling me how sorry he is for my loss, he's handing me a bill. Yeah. For, you know, $15,000 for a funeral that, by the way, needs to be paid by the time we put dad to rest. So let family know where there's assets that can pay for that up front. Then let family 
No, because after that, now they have to close out all the final affairs. Do you have a will? Great. Where is it? Who's the attorney? In case we can't find it, that we can call who has a copy of it because we're going to need his help or her help anyway as we go forward. Um, then, uh, you know, where are all the proof of ownership documents, you know, to the house? How do we find them? How do we locate them? And then anything that you do online, because here's a shocker. I just read this, that for one email address, it has an average of 130 digital identities. So, I mean, you can think about it, you know, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Amazon Prime, YouTube TV, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, your pool service, you know, anything and everything that we do online is associated with it. And many of those things are set up on auto pay or auto deduct. Um, and so for every, you know, month that goes by that family doesn't find that that's money that family is not going to get at the end of the day. And it's one, it's, and it, it just prolongs the, the arduous task of being an executor of getting the job done. And I think, here's the segue that um that's what led you to creating my life and wishes maybe you want to talk a little bit about that and yeah absolutely thank you um yes my life and wishes um uh, essentially is a secure digital uh legacy planning and storage platform that guides people you know step by step intuitively to store upload and secure all the important details and critical documents of your life. And it makes them accessible 24 seven from anywhere in the world with an internet connection at the touch of a button. So the title of my book, click here when I die, that's the whole premise behind the platform that we've built to help families. It's that if I don't make it home tonight, literally at the touch of a button, my family will know everything. It's, it's like me speaking from beyond the grave, providing all the answers to all those questions that my family is going to have. Now, did you, you created this based on, uh, based on what happened to you, your family, what you and Michelle went through with her, with her father? Or did that come to, was it, a, was it an epiphany that came to you after? And you saw, you no, saw a need, you know, it's interesting. You, you asked that. So Michelle's parents live about a half mile up the street from us at the time. And so after we got through the funeral and stuff, Michelle was going up there, uh, every evening after work and spending hours, uh, digging through stuff and going through stuff and looking through stuff with her mother. Um, I didn't go up very often at all uh, after that because, you know, it was kind of a, a mother daughter kind of a thing. And so I sat home and uh, uh, <laughs> do what I typically do. Uh, I had a cigar. I sat in the backyard and uh, I took out my, uh, my iPad and I just started listing all the th things that I could think of that were in my life and all the challenges that Michelle would come home later at night and say, well, this is what we're looking for today and these things. And I had this aha moment that if something happened to me, our kids would have no idea. They would not know 
uh, who our attorney was, or if we had one, they wouldn't know who our accountant is. If we had one, they wouldn't know if we had a will or a trust and where it might be located or how to find it. They wouldn't know where any of our bank accounts were. They wouldn't know where any of our other assets, such as retirement plans were. They wouldn't know if we had any life insurance or not, or how to find it. Uh, and uh, not to mention, you know, what to do with dad's Facebook account. How do we get that turned down uh, or turned off so that, you know, we don't have people chiming in wishing dad a happy birthday three years after he's dead, you know, and, and the list went on and on. So it was kind of like one of those aha moments for me that if, if something happened to me or me and Michelle, our kids would be totally lost uh, and, and, and there'd be things that would never be found. So I started writing and writing and writing and I self-published on Amazon, the, my life and wishes organizer, which was a paper form of what our platform is today. And, uh, but we had to keep changing it because I kept thinking of things that, Oh, we need to add this in there because the first iteration didn't have anything to do with pets. And so then as I was talking with people, they were like, well, what about the, the pets? A lot of people predecease their pet and what happens to the pet and those things. And so um, we knew quickly that we needed to put this online. Um, writing all this important stuff down and leaving it in a desk drawer is um, at risk of getting lost. It's at risk of the wrong eyes seeing uh, all this confidential information. So we wanted to put it somewhere where it was safe and secure where there's one touch access to it and you could determine who would be able to access that information and I could easily update it uh, at any time. Right, so what's the cost for the, uh, for the service? The, uh, the annual subscription fee is $79 uh, per year uh, ongoing. Um, when we first built a platform, we had many advisors uh, say, oh, you can charge much, much more than, than that. I mean, look at, you know, what you're saving people. And it's like, no, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fair price. I came up with that number of $79 because that was the average life expectancy uh, <laughs> uh, age number um, at the time. Oh, and I wanted it to be available to, to anybody, you know. So, you know, for less than $7, you know, a month, um, you can provide this peace of mind. Um, you can reduce stress, frustration, time expense that plagues far too many families following the loss of a loved one. I know, in, know my, in, 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 in my book, in, I have here, one of my, uh, someone says to me, when there's a death in a family, everybody's traumatized and when they're traumatized, nobody can find anything. And that's not the time to start looking for things when you're traumatized. So your product, your service clearly is going to help alleviate that, that trauma that everybody's in. At least they know there's that button or we, where we have to log in because everything is there because you've had that conversation. Right. Because we know what we want the experience to be like for our family. Yeah. It's the, the final gift of love. It's the one kind of planning. I mean, heck, we're all planners by nature. I mean, human beings, we're planners. We plan for getting married, plan to go to college, plan to go on vacation, plan what to eat for dinner, um, plan to retire. But the one thing we don't plan for is our death. And it's like, that's the one thing that's certain. And the reason I think that is why people procrastinate and put it off is because all that other planning that we do is for us. 
we benefit from it. My doing all this planning for whenever the grim reaper shows up at my doorstep is not done for me. It's done for somebody else. I mean, it's the ultimate, uh, I think, act of love that I can leave for my family. And uh, the only negative I hear from people is this. They'll say, but wow, you know, I have so much stuff and it's uh, overwhelming and it's just daunting to think about putting all that stuff together. And my response is, I get it. I understand. It can be. But can you imagine how overwhelming, daunting and time consuming it's going to be for your family if you don't do it? Because at least you know where the stuff is. You can put it together. Exactly. So, you know, do it and then move forward and make sure you keep it updated just like your will. And you don't have to have this lengthy discussion about, hey, if dad dies, if mom dies, just tell the kids, here, look, if something happens, this is what you do. It'll provide you with everything you need to know. I love you. And what do you want to have for dinner? Exactly. Well, John Braddock, I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences. Your stories are hopefully are going to move people to do the right thing and give the ultimate gift that you're always talking that you were talking about for um, the family by getting uh, my life and wishes. I wish you all the best. And uh, once again, I want to thank you. Hope we'll have you on in the future to be back on the show and share some more uh, wisdom. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details, visit davidedy.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter.